thanks for joining us once again for episode 62. I always have to double check when I say the number of Motorific podcast. I am Joanne. And of course, here's my awesome co-host, Christy. And let's see, it's uh, 1st of March. For this episode, we are going to give you a few gear reviews or gear mentions. Um, Christy's been wearing some things, and so she's going to be sharing her thoughts on a couple of pieces of gear. And then I have a couple of uh, blog posts I wrote about gear. Specifically, I'm, you know, I'm doing this series, if you follow my blog, called Wear This, Not That. To just give you an idea, alternatives to wear when you, you know, you may look in your casual closet and think, I could just wear that on the motorcycle, but you may not want to do that. So we'll talk about that, talk a little bit about Moto America, updates on that. Um, we can also chit-chat about a recall, pretty bad recall, um, with Can-Am. So if you're a Can-Am person, you know, let us know. But um, we have some news there. And then a couple of just general motorcycle um, discussions that I, or I uh, saw on Reddit that I thought was worth talking about. And, um, oh, and then I'll give you an update on my uh, latest status in terms of the, buying a the motorcycle. The search for a Triumph. Search for my motorcycle. All right. So for once, let's talk about gear first. Let's do, let's do gear Ooh. first. Yeah. So why don't you start us off with the reviews you have coming out. And where are these getting published? They might get published as a sidebar along with my review for the Star Bolt C-Spec. Mm. Oftentimes, motorcycle riding culture has a section where you do like a brief discussion of the gear that you wore and the, the plus and, mm-hmm. and minus positive negative points of mm-hmm. the actual clothing. One of the few things that I mentioned and uh, that uh, Alpine Stars equipped me for that particular ride was the Vika jacket. And we've talked about the Vika before. It's been around for at least, what, a year or two? A few. Wow. The jacket itself looks great. And, you know, there are a few very full protection leather jackets that are stylish enough, in my opinion, to wear both on and off the motorcycle. And there's always some degree of compromise because... Part of the, I would say, biggest style issues that women have, at least this is my opinion, is that jackets are really bulky and they don't really, you know, have show a lot of curve. And so there's always some degree of compromise. And the Vika is a a full grain leather jacket. It's got uh, the Aramid stretch paneling. That kind of combination between the two allows for a little bit more of like form-fitting jacket without having to worry about the whole jacket stretching out or or vice versa being too tight. It's that form of contouring though, where the leather is going to be a bit thinner than your average race leathers, say on like a Dainese jacket that you wear on the track, and the reduced thickness uh, elbow and shoulder protection. Um, they're both CE certified, but they have been slimmed down so that they do not, I guess you would say, call a lot of attention to their location in the jacket. Um, so like I said, it's, it's a really nice jacket, looks great, and it is part of their city collection. 
which, you know, Joanne will throw in her, her two cents on this. Um, I don't know that they've ever said, or any any company, whether it's Revit or Dainese or Alpine Stars, has, has ever really put a, a speed limit mm. on any of their clothing. Mm-mm. But generally, when they call it the city line or the city protect, you know, the city collection or, you know, metropolitan, whatever the name of it is. Urban. It's, it's typically for... City travel, not highway, low speed, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're not taking it out on the open road. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be better served to protect you in, like, low speed city environments. You, you get off your scooter, you hop into a, to a nice restaurant, you hop back on the scooter, you travel a couple miles, you go back home. So, as far as looks goes, jacket, awesome. I'm sure you've seen some of the photos that I've posted along with uh, last week's show notes from my motorcycle review of the Bolt C-Spec, which is where I wore both the jacket and the jeans. But um, not a jacket that I would be wearing out frequently when I'm doing a a two-hour ride in the canyons or a three-hour ride in the canyons and I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, jumping on the highway and going 75. Mm -hmm. Have anything to add about that? Pretty much what, you know, Christy said, it's it's a city jacket. And so if you think about the average speed limits when you're riding in your city, you're going to guess around, you know, it's like 15 or 20 in a school zone. Then it bumps up to like 35 you know, around your neighborhood with stop signs and stoplights, you typically don't go over 45 unless it's like a big open four lane road, then you might have a 50 mile an hour speed limit, but that's where you're pushing it. So the jacket, I believe is a 1.1 millimeter thickness. At least that's what I referenced in my review of it a few years ago. So your guideline is anything below 1.0 is casual. So that's why when you go to Macy's and you pick up a beautiful leather jacket in the Calvin Klein section, it's so thin and it's comfortable. It's because it's probably 0.7 or 0.8 millimeter like paper. So that gives you a nice indication of what you want to write in. So typically you want to stick to 1.1 and over. 1.1 to 1.3 is pretty average. But uh, yeah, it's great for going to dinner and jumping on a quick ride. Like, you know, you're going to ride 20 blocks to get to the movies and then go to dinner afterward. You're good to go because it's really pretty and it's very casual looking, but still gives you the armor that you need. And then the second piece of clothing that uh, that I got from Alpine Stars was their carry denim jean which is a Kevlar-based denim for women, a regular straight fit with a generous leg, and it's going to cover a variety of body types. Kevlar reinforcement is in key areas like the seat, the hip, and the knee, and there is removable protection in the hip that's as easy as pulling off a a Velcro attachment. And then the knee is a little bit more tricky because it's inside the pant, and it is a CE certified uh, knee protector. The jeans, I think, despite the fact that their leg is a little more full, and so I'm not really swimming in it like in a dangerous way, meaning that the pads are going to shift if I crash. But um, they're a little bit bigger than you know how I usually. 
usually wear my own denim, but still, nonetheless, I think they have a really good fit, even for me. And my only downside to those jeans were that the, um, I've got this really unusually long, I think it was femur, like I'm really mm -hmm. bad with biology, <laughs> unusually yep. long femur. So the area between my knee mm -hmm. and my hip is longer than the average pair of pants because same problem happened with the climb gear that I wore. The knee guards would be uh, in, in a seated position on the motorcycle. The knee guards would not be over my knee. They would just be skimming the top and heading up my thigh. Hmm. So with the adjustments inside the carry gene, there are two locations, like two, I guess, levels of adjustment, if you will, with the same kind of a scenario that Revit does where it's the pocket with the um, Velcro and you open up the bottom, you know, level of Velcro and slide the protection in. And with only those two levels, they would need probably a third for me in order to really put that um, protection in the right place. Mm -hmm. But other than that, um, comfortable jean, really nice, you know, being able to ride in something uh, other than thick pants for change. Now, how comfortable what would you, you be wearing those on the highway? Yeah, I was just about to ask you the same question. <laughs> because uh, I, I mean, from my own experience, when I crashed in the Revit, uh, that was 1100 Denier Cordura, which is almost military grade. So it's really close to the highest, like, weave of, of textile that's out there. And that basically gave away all the way to the mesh right before the Gore-Tex. So the Gore-Tex liner that was on the bottom side closest to my skin wasn't touched, and the mesh protecting that from the Cordura wasn't uh, touched, but I was completely missing Cordura. And conveniently enough, I was completely missing Cordura in the seat, the thigh, and the knee, and then close to where my boot was. So... You know, for all intents and purposes, where they place the Kevlar reinforcement on these jeans is pretty much where I was missing material from my crash. So that's kind of good to know. Mm -hmm. But but I don't know if you're sliding apart from those areas, you know, whether or not you're more prone to, I mean, how long is the denim going to, 13 ounces of denim, how long does that stay, you know? I don't know. Every company puts out different information on what they say works for however long, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, like Draco will give you, a, they'll give you, I think, time, like they say it takes seven really? seconds or something. Like, I don't remember where I read that, but there's, I think there's an article or review about Draco jeans where they actually mentioned the slide times and how long it took before it went through. So some companies will give you that info and some won't. And I'm guessing the ones that won't, they're not really testing the materials and they're not giving you really any indication because, well, they don't know. Um, so there's really no consistency there. I would say, generally speaking, you want to make sure that you have enough Kevlar to cover your entire bot. But, not bot. Your entire booty should be covered with a Kevlar panel right? So that whole butt zone should be covered. And it should also be thoroughly covered all the way down your thighs, front and rear to the knee. And then it should 
also cover the knee where the knee armor is. I'd say shin is probably your least likely risk zone, but it's even better. But I'd say the best jeans are are those areas I described, your hips, your butt, your entire butt, all the way down the thighs to the knee is usually where the really expensive jeans give it to you. And that's why they're $250. Whereas Uh a $90 jean, they might give it to you maybe like a patch across your butt, maybe like two patches or something on the cheeks, but not a full panel. And they probably don't have any on the thighs or maybe it's just the knees. So go for Max Kevlar or whatever Aramid, whatever material they're using. You know, Kevlar is usually the like go-to for all brands. There's only a couple brands like Rocker and Revit, and they use other materials that they claim to be just as safe as Kevlar, if not better. So that would be my guideline if you are choosing to wear jeans. But I would say in general that jeans are not an alternative to leathers, but it's something where you decide, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to spend $200 on the really good ones and I'm going to just, I'm going to risk it. And at least I know I've got full coverage Um, and they're better than the casual jeans in my closet. So a big step up. Yeah. So some people just don't want to wear street textiles and they don't want to wear leather and that's great. You decide whatever you want to wear and whatever's comfortable for you. Um, Personally, I only wear leather on the street. I don't even, and, or the textile, I wear the legacy too. So, you know, you go with what you're comfortable in. What do you think about the, uh, the Drake airs that I have up against the denim with the reinforcement Kevlar? I would say you're probably close. It's probably not as strong as Kevlar. That particular fabric, though, is really forgiving and stretchy. And if mm-hmm. you look on the um, San Francisco D-Stores page, mm-hmm. you'll see... If you dig down, maybe like, I don't know, probably in their photo albums, they posted a photo of somebody who used a Drake on a track day and it was shredded. He crashed really? in it. Yeah. And they held up. I mean, they were torn up. So he probably got some bruises and some scrapes, but he didn't, it, no like the whole thing didn't come apart, but it's pretty burned up. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. I'm actually surprised that they let him on the track in those right well, you can well you can do two-piece textiles on a lot of tracks but you can't do mesh and uh, and really? usually usually the caveat is they just have to have a three-quarter zipper wow yeah. did not know that yeah. i totally thought you know tracks were anti-textile no not necessarily good it to depends know. you gotta you just have to look at the rules for the one you're going to and see what their guy everybody has guidelines on what you have to have on your bike and what gear you're supposed to wear so you just check with your school and see what they say hmm? cool yeah well i guess we can when roll on to a can-am recall okay which joanne and i were talking about this before we start recording i swear we just did a recall with can-am and mm-hmm. here's another one and perhaps a little bit more serious because it is recalling all of their uh, 5,000 plus units from their 2013 model year of the Can-Am Spider RT for engine compartment temperature issues on idle. So if you are currently a Can-Am owner from the year 2013, you should be contacting uh, 
customer service, get that squared away. I wonder what the exact recall is. Like, what's failing? Like, what's the thing that's broken? Or uh, Supposedly, they don't have a remedy to fix it yet. All right. Well, good luck to you, Can-Am riders. Uh, all right. What else do we have in bike news? We have Moto America. Ooh, let's talk about that. Moto America is still uh, moving forward on their, I would almost say like snowball, where you imagine it starts out very small and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger as far as the the positive energy and the PR that's Mm -hmm. going into this before they even reach their first race, which I believe is Coda. Hmm. I think Coda is the first of this year. Hmm. But um, they just announced their broadcasting team of a veteran announcer, Jonathan Green. There's this guy that uh, used to race bikes. You know, you might recognize his name. It's Colin Edwards. That should be Um, fun. And uh, Christy Lee, who you probably recognize from uh, reporting on other events, as well as being a spokesperson for Triumph. Mm. So I think the three of them are going to make things pretty interesting. Uh, Jonathan Green has been around for probably more than 20 years uh, as a a reporter and commentator and uh, covering two wheels and four from Formula One to MotoGP to World Superbike to Indy. So he's pretty familiar with this, and it's not his first uh, rodeo. So I think it should be a a really great start, not Mm -hmm. to mention the fact that they have um, TV coverage as well. I can't remember what channel they're going to be airing on, but... Should I want to say it was one of the major networks that they're in talks with. I so it was CBS. Sports. Exactly. That's the first yeah. thing that came to my mind, too. But I was like, uh, is it? I thought it was. Um, yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Moto America events will be telecast on the CBS Sports Network awesome. as far as as part of a multi-year agreement between Torque TV and mm. CBS Sports. Nice. And you'll have uh, the availability of of digital coverage as well of the Moto America series, including event highlights, features, and other content on torque.tv. Mm. So pretty, pretty excited between, I'm sure the racers being excited that they, you know, have different management and, uh, mm-hmm. and a new chance and all of the media kind of circus surrounding this and the OEM support and, you know, the fact that they have a, a inked television deal. I mean, mm-hmm. this is looking pretty good. So yeah. pretty sure that the first race of the season is in April, maybe first or second week, starting at Coda, going along with uh, GP. So stay tuned. I will definitely have to tune into that. Speaking of TV and movies, I just watched on any given Sunday, not on any given Sunday, next chapter. Did yeah, you watch how was that? that? It was great. I really liked it. I thought it was yep. way better than Why We Ride. <laughs> like, kind of the same idea, but way better. I mean, it was mostly yeah. because it was mostly about racing, and then you know some riding, like everyday riding. Like they they spend a lot of time in Southern California and filming at some of the dirt parks down there, uh-huh. uh, where people get together and just hang out and ride. So, you know, they did interviews. Yeah. Me. That's day. That's day in the dirt that yes. you're talking about. So they talked about that, but it was a little more, a little more racing. Cause they did, you know, they talk about MotoGP a lot and, um, some different, um, racing events, international events, and, but it was just so great. It was really neat. I really liked it. thought it was awesome. Very, very entertaining. Loved it. 
So that was was on Netflix. Was that on Netflix? Yeah. But I watched it. Yeah, you can get it off of Netflix, or I think you could even rent it off of, like, Amazon. Oh, I think I rented it. I think you can get it on Netflix, but I think I paid for it. I think I I rented it on Apple TV, because we have both. So it was very entertaining. Definitely recommend watching that. Yeah, I I love the part where where Carlin is racing on the Bonneville salt flats. Yes. And they totally made fun, uh, poked fun of the fact that this guy is explaining this just absurd motorcycle to Carlin like five minutes before he jumps yes. on it and goes for a speed record. And it's just like, he's, I don't, I can't remember because it's been a couple of months, but I want to say that they were like plowing, uh, plowing the footage forward. So it was like super fast and he's just like spewing information and Carlin's just like, uh, yeah, I got the first line. And then like everything else after that for the last 10 minutes probably was like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I know. That was one of my favorite little inside joke parts, but, um, the hill climb part was fun too, where they, you know, talked about the electric motorcycles and how they're doing Pikes Peak and that, that, that was really fun too. Just like seeing that yeah. footage looked really cool. Yeah. And me actually, that was the year that I went. Sorry you weren't in there. They must've missed, missed, they didn't see you. No, well they, I don't think that they collected <laughs> footage. I'm sure they probably collected some practice footage, but they collected yeah. uh, race footage on the day of and I left early Sunday morning. And so I missed the official race, but mm-hmm. I was connected off of my phone listening to the uh, race coverage. Oh. Yeah, that was, I thought that was neat. Just watching that. Yeah. It was fun. It looks fun to ride out there and just ride the mountain, be able to ride up the mountain just for fun. I'm assuming people can, right? The rest of the year, they can just drive up there and yeah. check it out. Not going, not going hyper speed, you know, right, not going around the corner, but. thousand miles an hour. That looks fun. Yeah. I think you probably run the risk of uh, animal crossing the road at some point on there. <laughs> or just falling off the cliff. <laughs> there are on. a couple of really tight, tight turns. Mm-hmm. I remember being out there in a ditch taking, you know, photos or at least attempting to take photos standing next to a photographer who knew what he was doing. And I, I remember seeing a uh, one of the sidecars the wheels oh. literally lifted yeah. <laughs> lifted off. I think it was, uh, let's see, the back wheel of the motorcycle was on the ground, the front wheel was up, and the sidecar wheel was also off the ground. So there's only one point of contact out of three wheels, and uh, mm. they look like they're coming right towards us, so that was kind of sketchy. But um, a cool race, a little bit dangerous. Um, not necessarily the most meticulously managed. It's kind of like a, oh, shucks, let's just show up and watch this thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I know a couple of people who have been talking to me about joining it this year. And I'm <laughs> part of me is like, please don't, <laughs> please don't do that race. But, uh, once that well... announcement becomes official, I will share who that is. Yeah. All right. The other part that I liked was when they were covering the um, hill climb, the international hill climb event in Germany. Was it in Germany? That was crazy. I mean, just crazy. The footage of people trying to, was it like, starts out with like 400 people and they're in a canyon 
with just dirt and mud and there's all these obstacles they have to get through. So they start out with 400 and I think only 30 or 35 actually finish the course all the way to the end. And it's just insanity trying to go up these dirt, muddy mountains with vertical, basically a vertical climb, you know, and it's like 500 yards to the top. It's not like a little 50 foot hill, but like a mountain. It's insane. You know, and they're Europe falling over. Crazy, 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 <laughs> excuse my French, shit that they offer <laughs> for motorcyclists on a competitive awesome. level. It was international um, too. It was crazy. Yeah. That was fun. I, I think you can I know, catch some on TV here I know too. Just, I know just maybe two or three people that I think could tackle something like that. I don't. I don't know anyone crazy enough to do that. I mean, I'm sure they exist, but I, yeah, I certainly yeah. don't know. I just, think King of Motos is probably the closest that the U.S. gets to offering something like that mm -hmm. here, where there's a lot of rocks. It's in... Uh, it's in the southwest. I want to say it's in like Arizona, but um, just yeah, absurd. And Red Bull backs most of those crazy events too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they're definitely in a lot of them. Red Bull is the title sponsor along with like KTM on mm -hmm. quite a few of those ones in like Austria GoPro. and Germany. Like, what? Yeah, GoPros yeah. at all of them. Yeah, it was great. So it's just a great movie. Lots of cool motorcycle racing and lifestyle. You know, they interviewed Travis Pastrana and a couple other people. Just you know, there's just a lot of really neat people in that, in that documentary. So definitely go check out on any Sunday, the next chapter, definitely check out the Nitro Circus too. They do like aerial, a lot of aerial stunning and it's just, it looks like a really entertaining show. Um, so definitely check that out when you can. Now, and... if you don't follow, uh, me on Instagram, um, I As... posted something as Motorific Media, one go. word, I posted something that uh, actually it was a women, uh, women's motorcycle industry, but in Spain posted this. I follow them on Twitter mm -hmm. and they posted something. And so I, I'm looking at this girl and she is so cute. She is six years old. She races mini moto. She literally is like one of those girls right out of the Why We Ride movie in the end where they're so tiny and they're mm -hmm. around these tiny little bikes and you're mm -hmm. just like oh my god <laughs> um she is from so tarragona cute. spain where and tarragona mm. and uh she races minimoto she has uh, quite a few um trophies and there is on her twitter feed an absolutely adorable picture of her chasing down valet for a autograph oh really? rossi she's chasing down rossi Aww. like wait and you see this like little like her parents must have been taking pictures yeah and you just see this little like pigtail go off in the direction of where rossi is yeah and they're just like snapping away and does she get him does she get him yeah she totally does oh, um and so her name on uh on instagram as well as um twitter is super pow her name is uh paula <laughs> She's Paula Ramos, and hence why you get the super pal. And it's a <laughs> S U P E R P A O 58. So the number 58. And the picture that I posted on Instagram has a, uh, a poster in the background, and it's like her, you know, I guess probably in her pit with her leathers part off, and she's got, you know, the um, 
moisture wicking shirt underneath and she's holding on to this big trophy and she has this poster in the background of her with like aviators looking all tough in like gear and she's standing on a track somewhere or they've photoshopped her on like a track with like thousands of people like hmm. tens of thousands of people hmm. and i looked at it and i'm like oh my god that looks like something maria costello like posted somewhere and so i i i tagged Maria Costello on this and I'm like oh my god you have to see this and and so she she saw it and I gave her some of the information and so she posted it on her feed as well so uh, I think this girl picked up a, a boatload of uh, followers after the two of us started sending that around but you Good. know rightfully deserved she is adorable and the fact that you know it's six years old she's doing something that probably most kids aren't even exposed to I mean shoot I didn't ride a motorcycle until I was 30 it's just rad to know that her parents are out there, like, supporting her endeavors. So props to SuperPow and props to her parents. Oh, let's talk about these Reddit posts just really quickly. Sure. Um, which I think that these questions are, they're pretty, like, normal. I mean, I, I, I hear them. I've heard them a lot. They're, I, they're not topics, I think, that are totally foreign. Um you know, one question is, what do you reply when, when someone says motorcycles are dangerous? And I think every one of us has heard that because typically when you tell someone you ride one, that's always usually a reply. I mean, I think that's a pretty common reply and a common statement um, to people when, you know, for people who don't ride, seems like. I mean, I don't know how often times you heard it, but I feel like I hear it every time I say something <laughs> to somebody. In the non-writing world. Usually, well, it's never really people at work. And it's not people, well, obviously, in the industry. Right. So, yeah, you know, supermarket, whatever. Yeah. When someone usually hears that, it's like, oh. Yeah. Or they see it. Yeah. Or they see you and they're like, it's pretty dangerous or whatever. You know, there's always some comment about you might die or <laughs> it's dangerous. Or, I can't remember what Tamla said, but when we interviewed her, she had a good response to that. Um, her, oh yeah, she did have a really good response to that. Um, yeah. While you're thinking about that, I'm going to cover some of the ones that they did respond, uh, with on this Reddit feed, which they're actually really funny. Um, on a serious <laughs> level, motorcycling is not of itself inherently dangerous. It is, however, extremely unforgiving of inattention, ignorance, incompetence, or stupidity. True. I like that one. Very true. And then, of course, I like the, um, oh, actually, the funny stuff is actually on the other forum. So we'll, <laughs> I'll read those when we talk about the other question. But that was actually my favorite one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everything's dangerous. Everything has some element of danger in it. I, if know? I remember correctly, her reply was something like, you know, so if you're, if, if, if you say to me, hey, that's, that's that's a dangerous sport. Don't you know that you could kill yourself? Her reply would be something like, stop right there, because I am not going to reply to that, and I'm not going to keep talking to you about this if all you can tell me is that I'm going to die, because I don't need you to tell me that. I've heard it a million times before, but also there is just no point in you telling me about all these people you know that may have died or are the maimed. The latter part. Yeah, like, I don't need to hear, I don't need you to hear, you know, tell me these things because she actually, I already know them to be true. 
she actually asked for the specific details when the guy's like, oh, yeah, my buddy, you know, my buddy died or my uncle died. And she asked, like, well, how did he die? What happened? And when they can't answer that question, she's like, we're done. Yes, to qualify, like, what do you know about exactly. that? Not just that yeah. they're dead, you know, because mm -hmm. it's important. Like, what if they were hurt by a DUI person? Someone who's drunk, yeah. you know, someone who's texting. And then I think... You know, Totally. Also, when we entertained this question in a previous podcast, we also were referencing uh, another article that basically took the motorcycling uh, death statistics and weighed them against cancer, heart attacks, um, falling pianos, like all kinds of stuff. So I remember <laughs> we had like a, riding. a smorgasbord of, of all these different ways that you could die. My it's last, like, I just realized my last reply when someone said that was horseback riding. I go, you know what? You're far more at risk of dying on a horse than you are on a motorcycle. Injuries of falling off a horse are higher because they don't wear anything. They wear a tiny little half helmet, but a lot of them don't wear anything. And it's just dangerous. Yeah. It's just a dangerous activity. Well, but, I mean, yeah, it's hard to mountain disease, biking, cancer. I. I'm never, you know, I was a road, I was a road biker before I started riding motorcycles. You and I don't know, it sounds totally ridiculous. Um, maybe more so to the people who currently ride now. But I think if I went back to riding on road, like the fast stuff, when I was going like 40 and 50 miles an hour and like, you know, Wait, are you somewhat. About, are you talking about bicycling? Bicycling. Okay. Yeah. Cycling. Um, Cycling that I would, if I went back to it, I would probably feel naked with just the, yes. you know, shorts and yes. the jersey, mm -hmm. like going 50. I don't know that I could do that without going to look for something that, you know, if something, because I did crash like one or two times mm -hmm. on, on the bicycle. Um, and it's mostly because, well, I was caught in a rainstorm going down a hill and couldn't really wait it out and had to go. And sadly, frictionless brakes, you know. When you don't have friction, you can't break. <laughs> so you gotta find another way to stop. Um, but yeah, mountain biking. My my friends trying to get me into mountain biking mm -hmm. as a way to Dude. continually help my motorcycling and like dirt skills. Sure. Um, and I look at mountain biking and think, oh my god, like my face. Like, <laughs> where's the full face bicycle? Yeah. Helmet? <laughs> Yeah, right. Because Ankles. I am so scared of like mountain biking. Like I, I'd rather yeah. be on the road. And I know people. A lot of people kind of look at me like, "Why would you rather be on the road with the rest of the cars?" It's like, well, I'm, I'm already used to it on a motorcycle, so I feel more comfortable on it. But it's just the lack of, you know, I guess the feeling that you don't really have control, and the fact that the only time I've gone mountain biking was on really slippery stuff. Like really fine powder over mm -hmm. a very hard material, Silt. and I was going downhill, and I just mm. you, you have no traction. Yeah. So when I think of mountain biking, I recall that experience going down the face of like a, a mountain out here, and just go, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's I, not my idea of fun. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm on the fence about buying a bicycle. Well, we have a bicycle, but I don't ride it, and I don't know. I don't know on the fence about wanting yeah, to Yeah, I want to buy another road bike. Um, mm -hmm. I live near the LA River, and there is just an infinite amount of mileage that I could easily get mm. with, within five minutes from my house. And, you know, in terms of trying to 
get myself out and exercise more apart from taking part in classes. It's a really good way. I mean, especially for a lot of people in the off season when it is raining or when the weather isn't so great to ride bikes that or ride motorcycles that you, you know, keep in your halfway decent level of fitness by riding a bicycle. So true. Anywho, very true. The other cool question that Joanne found on Reddit is, um, is it just me or are people in a better overall mood when they ride their motorcycles to work? And of course, this is a question that we've also talked about, or perhaps I just said something, because I know that I've said when I ride my motorcycle into work, I'm less of an asshole. <laughs> I'll make sure to put like a PG rating on this podcast. Yeah, but, I'm um, do that. I, I just, I'm less angry at people. And I, you know, traffic sometimes, if I'm if I want to get somewhere or if I'm running late or if there's a time frame that I need to meet, whenever I drive, it's like Murphy's Law. I get in a car. If I got to be somewhere, I'm never going to get there on time, no matter how early it seems I'm trying to Well, leave. you live in L.A. Yeah. I think it's, there's kind of an obvious this is true, but conflict there. But yeah, so I find that I'm definitely much happier when I'm riding into work. But uh, the funny stuff that they've got on here is, uh, you know, what's the saying? You never see a motorcycle parked in front of a psychiatrist's office. Mm -hmm. And then this other guy chimes in, well, unless the psychiatrist rides a motorcycle. (laughs) And this this other guy chimes in, well, I used to ride a motorcycle to my therapist's office. I'm surprised you never made that joke. (laughs) True therapist could also ride. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And then, of course, this is an homage to what Joanne's experiencing right now. I always feel better when riding. Every day I'm hoping the snow and ice will end so I can go back to commuting on the bike. And the guy says, join the club. I'm in Massachusetts and it won't stop bleeping snowing. (laughs) Yeah, they're way way worse off than we are. That's for damn sure. I'm glad I don't live in Boston. (laughs) And then this guy says... We're expecting thunderstorms in Los Angeles this weekend, frowny face. And then someone from Canada says, that's a California snowstorm, right? Yeah. And then some guy says, rainpocalypse. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thunderstorms. Yeah, you people need all the rain you can get. There should be no sad faces when the rain's coming in California. You should be so happy that you will have water to drink. Right? And water to shower True. in and water to, for us to have food in the rest of the country. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. But uh, yeah, I could just, I, uh, the snow doesn't bother me at all. It's the ice. It's the ice. It's not the snow. It's the ice where the sad, sidewalk is dark and you have no idea there's ice there until you slip on it. Then you know. But then. <laughs> You don't even know like where it is or where it's coming, you know, or you're driving down the street and it just looks like black asphalt until you start driving on it. And then the car starts to like slip from side to side. You know, it's just the ice is the worst. It's the ice. Because I don't mind. Yeah, you won't. uh, (laughs) Not unless I have like a a bike with spikes in the tires. Oh, there is ice racing. I, I did. Post, there is. Yeah, there's ice racing. You know, there's a little bit of that in the movie, too. That was fun watching, too, uh, in Canada. But, um, I, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that anytime soon. But, 
it's okay. Uh, you know, next week we're supposed to get 45. I believe there's a 50 as well. And there's some rain, which I'll totally happy to take the rain. So where everybody is hopeful, that means that we won't have the freezing temperatures anymore. But I'm just not optimistic about that. But I'm going to, you know, I cross my fingers and hope to God that we do get some normal weather because I need to be riding by April. Need to be riding. I want to be riding in March was the hope is that in a few weeks it can go riding. So tell us about the latest. So in the quest. Theoretically speaking, not legally, I no longer have a motorcycle. So I pretty much sold my bike to my good friend. Totally trust her. It's still in my garage. She's going to give me money next week. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, technically, I don't own one. And I actually, I really don't own one because what somebody else's motorcycle is only under his name, not under both of our names. So I don't really have a motorcycle. That being said, I'm still looking for mine. I, I have a lead. I have a really good lead, but I technically don't have what I need to purchase something else today I'm hoping by the end of the week I will have what I need and or by next week I'll be able to figure out um, you know where my funds are gonna come from to buy a new one so my hope is that over the next month I will just be shopping just gonna be shopping and um, yeah hope I can find something in my budget because my budget is very, very low for what I want. Um, so yeah, just on the hunt, shopping. I appreciate a couple of the emails I've gotten and some messages about bikes. Um, but I'm, I'm actually I'm shopping very specifically for a 2007 to 2012 Street Triple R. The R is very important. It cannot be a regular. I'm specifically looking for an R. And the reason is because I'm done with stock suspension and I'm ready for a bike that has fully adjustable suspension front and rear not just reload but everything compression rebound all of it and the bonus is um, if I find a 2012 I believe it comes with ABS oh that'll be interesting because I've only ridden one bike with ABS ever with a BMW and it was really cool too. I thought it was really neat when I, I used it. I didn't know I was going to need it, but I used it and it was awesome. I thought this is so great. No idea. This is how it feels. But, um, if I'm lucky, I'll find a 2012. I found a potential one, but I'm just not like counting on anything really. Cause I don't know. I just don't know what I'm going to, if I'm going to be able to have all the money I need for it by this week. So I don't know. We'll see. This person's had a bike on Craigslist for three weeks, two and a half weeks. So I, you know, I just never trust Craigslist for that long because good deals just go really fast there. Yeah. But like your wise, wise, wise co-host said, this is the perfect time to buy because no one else is going to buy a motorcycle if they can't ride it. But people are desperate for money in the wintertime. Yeah. Fingers crossed. That's, yeah, that's my hope. I, I hope it stays on the Craigslist for another couple weeks. It might take well, me that long. Well, you reached out to the guy, right? I did, but um, 
I, you know, he doesn't have any leads, but, um, sure. you know, I, I, bottom line is I don't have the money to buy it. You know, I don't have what he wants for it. So he, you know, he's not sold it yet. If I'm lucky, they'll sit there another couple weeks or another week until I can kind of scramble to get the funds. Um, but I'm, if every, if I'm lucky, I'll be able to, you know, go see it next week. If it's still available, we shall see. I don't know. It's a very popular vehicle, so given that used well, ones I, aren't around I, very much, I hope that I, works out. I do too. If not, I'll be shopping. So if you have one to sell me pre 2012, let me know. No new bikes. I'm not buying a 2014 or a 2015 or anything like that. I'm not buying a $10,000 motorcycle. So. No need to send me offers for that. 2012 and older. Because really, it's the same bike. Like, there's no point in spending another $5,000 when you can have the same bike for less money. That's the whole reason I'm, I'm looking for what I'm looking for. This is quite cute. I'm going to send you a picture and then we'll post it on, um, on the show notes. Basically, it's a, a woman riding a Harley down the road, Uh-oh. and she has her dog in, <laughs> I don't think it's a backpack, because I don't think it's, like, actually attached to her, hmm. but um, it's mounted It's mounted to, like, the sissy bar. Hmm. I just sent it to you over Skype. Okay. But oh, it looks nice. like it, it's either, yeah, no, it, it is a backpack, I guess. She's wearing a backpack, but it's resting up against a sissy bar, and it's got her um, bulldog. You, you in know it. what that is? It's a mm. rolling pet carrier. That's awesome. So there's a little handle on top, like luggage, right? Like a roller. Pull mm-hmm. the handle up, and then you just you're wheeling them through the airport mm-hmm. or wherever. So she's wearing it on the motorcycle, and the dog looks yeah. pretty happy. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be? <laughs> Or he actually, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a smiley face. We're <laughs> sucking there. Terrified. You could be nervous. <laughs> you could be terrified. Yeah. Very cute. We'll have to share that. I think I saw that on the Reddit sometimes. Yeah, Mary, uh, Mary McGee actually posted it <laughs> as I'm looking through Facebook. I'm like, oh, hey, check that out. Who needs a sidecar? <laughs> Indeed. Well, I think that does it for 62. Unless you missed anything. Do we miss anything? I think that's I think that's all we had. As always, you can find us on the interwebs. Find us at Facebook as Motorific Podcast and on Twitter and as um, ADV Goddess and Gear Chick and on our website, motorific.com. And if you have any ideas or questions or anything, please feel free to send an email to motorific at gmail.com or post on the Facebooks and let us know what you're thinking. In the meantime... And actually, someone did... uh, Sorry to interrupt. Someone did tell us uh, what they were thinking. They said that we should... uh, It's uh, Steve Moore. Listener Steve Moore suggests that we should go out and review uh, Moto Guzzi V7. Oh, Moto Guzzi, could you send us some bikes? That'd be great. We'd love to do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the Moto Guzzi rep 
out here, but uh, I suppose I could find out, pop in, and ride a V7. I was actually shocked, because he, you know, he said, uh, check it out, because it's a smaller, lighter bike for female riders, and it was uh, Moto Guzzi's best-selling model in 2014. Hmm. And it definitely, I remember talking about it and seeing photos of it, definitely was an attractive bicycle, uh, motorcycle. I'm not terribly stoked about the way that Guzzi does their engines. I remember seeing pictures of this with a full uh, cafe kit hmm. where it had like a fairing that went from the front all the way across. It was like a race, like an old race fairing, and it looked amazing. And uh, obviously that's extra. But um, when he said that about, you know, for female riders, I'm like, well, you know, uh, I've never ridden actually a Moto Guzzi. And I've never ridden a shaft-driven bike. Mm. Um, the Bolt was my the Bolt was my first ever belt drive mm. bike that I've ridden. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not necessarily going to advocate a 750cc as a first bike for anyone, I'd definitely you know consider maybe uh, saying, hey, after you've you know trashed another bike, that could be your first purchase after learning how to ride. Mm -hmm. um, 30-inch ballpark seat height and a wet weight of 395. Oh, that's tiny. That's light. It's really right? tiny, yeah. For a 750? Right. It is light. I mean, wow. My BMW is way more than that. And oh. and the tank on the V7 mm. is ridiculous. It's twice the amount of the BMW almost. It's mm. practically six gallons, and that's about 35 pounds. So that mm. bike dry is like 360 pounds. Hmm. That is really it's pretty light. good for a, a twin 750. So I think mine is like dry 375 or something, and then wet's like yeah. 420, 415. Same with the Triumph, around 420. Yeah. yeah, nice. Wait, how much is a bike like that? It's like same price as a Bonneville, about 8900, mm -hmm. somewhere in that ballpark. Same price as the Bolt, pretty close. The C Spec Bolt that I've been riding. New bikes are so expensive. You know, ten grand to buy a new motorcycle. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's more or less what the nowadays the seven hundred, the F seven hundred GS is a little more than that, but oh, twelve grand, eleven twelve is so much money. I just don't know when I'll ever be able to do that. It's just for me, it's just crazy. Who knows? Maybe someday. Win the lottery, buy a brand new motorcycle. I oh I know. Here's another segue before we close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this is a good story. It'll make you laugh. So I won't get into the nitty-gritty details of, of all the stuff that's been going through my head as of late, but I needed to uh, to kind of get out of the house and, you know, do something that I don't normally do. And I went for a ride with the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club guys, so they meet up on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. So I'm going there by myself. I know, like, maybe one or two of the guys... And I walk up, and it's uh, we start at a bar, and you kind of queue at the bar, and when everyone's there, we take off and kind of bar hop a couple of times. And this guy was presumably checking IDs. And with the Bolt, I don't have a place to, you know, a top box or anything like that to put mm -hmm. my crap. So I was kind of juggling stuff in hands, and I didn't have a purse. And... Uh, Whatever I did or however I was holding my helmet, when I'm looking for my wallet, I drop my Bell RS1 mm. without any scratches. It's never hit the ground. This is actually the first motorcycle helmet that I myself 
have dropped. Mm. And we're talking eight years into this. So I was pretty proud up until that point when I dropped the helmet and the sound of a dropped helmet to a bar full of guys in a motorcycle club is like the most distinguished sound ever. So everybody looks right at me because I just want to die. And I gather my stuff together and I go inside and the guys are like, was that you? (laughs) And I look at my bell helmet and the entire air vent that comes off the back of the RS1. So if you've seen them, there's like kind of a, a wing that comes off the back top and half of it was broken. And I was like, oh no, this is the one motorcycle helmet that I wear at all the press launches because it's the nicest one and the Schubert is still nice, but it's a very, dis- now that I've painted it, it's very distinct and I haven't quite decided whether or not I'm ever going to take it on a press launch unless it's off-road. So <laughs> needless to say, I'm tore up about how I've broken my only nice helmet. And I asked one of the guys who no. used to work for Bell, Brian Horton, hey, do you know if they sell this part because their website isn't the most user-friendly as far as to what accessories go with what helmet? And he actually found the part for me. So for 20 bucks, Mm -hmm. that whole piece comes out and then I can replace it. So granted, there are some scratches and my really nice transition Mm -hmm. lens has like a scratch on it. Sorry, Frankie. And, um, but at least I have, apart from some touch-ups I might have to do where it's uh, a little chipped, at least it's not going to look completely destroyed. You can add like a, you know, cool little decals or stickers or something to cover up those. Or I could go with what you were talking about or what we talked about quite a while back, which was the um, 3M yeah. on Amazon. They sell 3M sure. striping. Mm-hmm. Or so. that. Yeah. Lots of ways to cover up little thingies. Sorry. Hey, you know, um, it, it was still a really cool night. Got out got to think about something other than you know everything else and uh definitely got to entertain entertain the masses by that hollow coconut sound that you hear when a helmet drops (sighs) so freaking embarrassed but anyway it's all right eh. now you know now you know to strap your helmet as soon as you take it off yeah i just wear everything don't take anything off just wear it all into the bar or that you know i'm lame and i need a box or a purse basically what it boils down to well i'll, I'll do so, that with the helmet like i'll i take it off i strap it and i put my crap in it so if i have yeah. a wallet or whatever and then i carry it in like a purse it's so stupid but it works i i did that <laughs> but i don't think i uh i don't think i rehooked the strap yeah. and i think i was just holding on to the piece mm-hmm. as opposed to redoing the chin strap and that was my my failing the uh, other, moment there. the other thing i like to do is i'll so the helmet's upside down i'll stick my whole arm in it so that my hand comes out the chin the face part mm-hmm. and then it like it's like a oh. bucket that you're holding yeah. on your arm you know and then that way you can put a lot of stuff in it cuz i'll just stuff everything into it cuz i always have a lot of crap with me i have you know gloves i have a wallet i got a phone you know, whatever. I got neck warmer, and I'll just take it all and shove it in and carry it in like a bag or something. Yeah, so very true. Yeah, just so that I don't do that. And I, I even, um, I don't even put my helmet on my bike anymore. And I know it's dirty, but I'll put it on the ground just so that I don't drop it. Like I don't care. Mm. Yeah, and like 
Evan won't do that because he doesn't want bugs crawling in. Like, you know what? I've mm. been doing this for I'm 10 with Evan on that one. I know, but I've been doing it this way for years and I haven't bugs. But I look in there just to make sure nothing weird is in there. But I'll put it on the ground. That way I don't drop it because I don't trust myself to not be clumsy because I know if I leave it on a seat, I'll hit it and I'll turn around or something and I'll just elbow it because I'm clumsy and I'm never paying attention. So I fear if it's on the ground, what's the worst that could happen is I get a bug. You know, hopefully it's not like a black widow or something. But oh, I, I guess this is another another segue to the segue of, hey, weren't you guys closing five minutes ago? Is, it's okay. Um, they want to hear us talk more. Go. I, uh, I've been getting a lot of critter visitors in the backyard lately. Oh, um, like rodents. No, no, like oh. much bigger. Um, oh. One of which is uh, is a skunk, but he wasn't the, oh. the guy that I was going to talk about. Um raccoons love to come and oh. everything basically loves to come in the backyard and eat the avocados. <sighs> so raccoons really like avocados. And there's just one neighborhood raccoon that is just, huh. he'll come back at least once or twice in one evening just to do mm. another quick search on the ground and see if there's anything that fell that mm-hmm. the squirrels didn't already eat. And I left the cover off the bolt because I pulled it in, you know, earlier on in the evening and probably hadn't cooled down. And then I saw the motion light trigger. Mm-hmm. So I rush over there because I've been Wait, trying to catch the what, cats. the what trigger. My, uh, oh, your motion, motion light, your deck. Okay. Your patio. Okay, yeah. I have got a it. motion sense. Light, okay. So it'll only turn on when it senses motion in the backyard. Gotcha. So I run over there because I've been concerned that there is a cat that has been peeing on mm. my, used to pee on my BMW and it's mm. been peeing on my 175 and I do not want it to pee on this press bike. And so I rush over there and I see a raccoon and uh, he's just, you know, doing his thing on the ground. So, you know, at some point I go to bed and then next morning I wake up and there are paw prints all over the, um, the left hand controls okay, and the dial and the top of the tank. So... The only time I've had a raccoon crawl over my motorcycle was when I shoved jerky in the saddlebags. Hmm. So the 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 raccoon was sitting on my bowl. <laughs> well, probably not. I'm really not glad that he he didn't have his claws out at the time because there were no scratches on it. But there are these grubby little dirty handprints all over the motorcycle. Oh, I like, need to get a cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. How long do you have it for? Not long. Yeah. So on that note, we'll we'll leave you. And we'll talk to you next week. See you later. Two weeks. Two weeks, sorry. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Ciao.